New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Well, what is going on, everybody? My name is Nick Person, and I'm the teaching pastor here at New Vision, and I'm excited that you are continuing to walk with us as we navigate Scripture. We're about to begin making our way through the latter part of Genesis, beginning in Genesis 37. And what we're going to see as we begin in Genesis 37 is the life of a guy named Joseph. Now, Joseph, his father was Jacob, and you might be going, hey, I've heard of that Jacob character. His brother is Esau. Jacob deceived Esau to steal his father's blessing. And the narrative of Genesis really shows you how the people of God became the people of God and how God called us and made us in his image and how he walked well with us. And you get to see a lot of trips and stumbling of the people of God in many different ways. And then you see Jacob. Jacob did not always make the best decisions, but God still used him. God still blessed him and God, God's hand was on him. And then we're going to get to chapter 37 of Genesis and you're going to see that Jacob had a favorite son. And the reason we know it was Jacob's favorite son is because scripture is very clear that, hey, I just everyone you need to know that Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob, which, as you could imagine, is going to cause a lot of problems in Jacob's family. And we're going to see those play out in some really dark, ugly, sinful ways. But really, as we look at the life of Joseph, we're going to see that God was in the midst of all of it. The ugly, the valleys, the not fun, the the moments where you feel like God isn't near. God is going to leverage all of these things in a great and beautiful way. And so as we navigate this scripture, I just need to give you a little background. As we navigate this scripture, I'm going to read Genesis 37 in its entirety. Yes, you're like, Nick, that's a lot of verses. It is actually 36 verses. So I'm going to read that in its entirety, and I'm going to try to narrate it in such a way where you don't fall asleep maybe on your way to work or listening by yourself or having some time alone with the Lord. And then I'm going to just give you some commentary on it. And then we're going to continue the journey tomorrow and keep walking together. I'm going to be reading out of the CSB. That's the Bible I read um, just in my alone time. And, and I have a Tony Evans study Bible. And I love me some Tony Evans. If you're familiar, if you're around New Vision, you know that I talk about that very often. So Genesis chapter 37, we're going to begin in verse number one. And we're about to dive in and catch up in the narrative. And we're going to see... So a lot of things exposed. It says this, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilah and Zilpha, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel, which is another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. 
He said to them, listen to this dream I had. There, there were binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him, are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is it this that you have had? And he said, am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers had gone to pasture their father's flock at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks of Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. I'm ready. Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he went, so he sent him from the Hebron Valley and he went to Shechem. A man found him there wandering in the field and asked him, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. Not Dothan, Alabama, by the way. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, oh, look, here comes that dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not um, take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into the pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, a robe of many colors and he, that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. They sat down to eat a meal, and when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, and resin going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers agreed. When many a night traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver and to, to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy is gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat and dipped the robe in its blood. They sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, we found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth around his waist and mourned for, so, for his son many days. 
All his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down the shield to my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. To say that this is a bad day would be a gross understatement. So here's Joseph. He's sharing his dream, which you look at that and you go, come on, Joseph, you got to be more self-aware than that. But his brothers plot to kill him. And then because they're not, you know, they're not horrible brothers. They just decide to throw him in a pit. And, and then they say, you know, we're not going to kill him. We'll just put him into slavery. We'll sell him to strangers in a strange land. And then the plot gets thicker. They they cover their tracks by covering his jacket in blood and sending it to their father, Israel, also known as Jacob. And Jacob mourns. And it's this deep mourning for the loss of his favorite son. Meanwhile, Joseph is on his way to Egypt and he ends up working in Potiphar's house, which is a captain of an Egypt, Egypt's army. And so let's pause. That's a lot of verses, a lot of information. There's a couple of things I want you to make be aware of, a couple of things I want you to think about. And so when it talks about Jacob's favoritism towards Joseph, what this caused was a, a wedge in the relationship. Uh, and, and so because of that wedge in the relationship, because of Jacob's really unfounded favor, it caused a wedge in his family. And when I was reading that, it made me think, I have to be aware of my actions and my attitude and my posture because all those things impacts those around me. So I have to be aware. I need to make sure that I'm fixing my eyes on, on God and following his lead. And I can't do this in my own strength or operate in my own ways because it could lead to some unforeseen circumstances and hangups. When you get into verses uh, 12 and 20, it talks about this plot to kill Joseph and Reuben. He has this check in his spirit, I imagine. He goes, you know what? It is not right to kill my brother. I'm going to try to find a way that I can come and rescue him. You see that at least his conscience and his conviction is working. But yet, even though he had this check, he didn't fully stand out to say, hey, guys, by the way, this is not right. This is wrong. It might be because he feared for his own life. It might be because he was nervous about what they would think. But I don't know how this story would have went if Reuben would have said, you know what, guys, this is not right. I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to shine this light of justice in the shadow of injustice. And as I think about that, I think about, man, I have opportunities today to make sure I stand for what is right. What's what what's after the heart of God. And there are times where I might be afraid and nervous, but man, uh, I'm never going to see the impact that I can possibly make. Like, I never know what's on the other side of my obedience. My job is just to be obedient. And that is true for us. And then it says that he was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Just like that, they sell their brother for 20 pieces of silver. And then... They try to cover their indiscretions and cover their sin with some blood and a mangled robe. And we're going to see as we continue in this narrative that you can't cover your sin. We're not able to cover our sin with our own means and in our own ways. 
The only person that can cover our sins, he already did, and his name is Jesus. And so for us, we really have an invitation to bring those things that we're trying to hide in the darkness to light so that really they can be exposed to the light of Jesus. And that's where true redemption can be found. And we're going to see the story of redemption in this narrative as we begin on our way. So today, where are some places where you can use your voice, you can use your gifts and your talents to shine the light of justice and truth? Is that in your family? Is that with your friends? Is that at your place of work? And wherever that is, I want to encourage you to step in, step up, and shine bright. Because you never know what's on the other side of your, your obedience. But I do know that the Lord will use it and leverage it for his glory. And so I hope that you will be blessed today. I hope as you walk throughout your day, you will come back and go back and read Genesis 37 and see what else stands out to you and, and pray a very dangerous prayer. Lord, reveal to me what I need to see in this passage and give me the strength and the courage to walk in a different way because I've been exposed to your truth. Well, no, we are for you. No, we love you. And we look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow. Y'all have a blessed day. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.